Welcome to Health Media Now with award-winning author and host, Denise Messenger, for a lifetime of health empowerment. Live by being in the pink, meaning P stands for being persistent, I stands for using your intuition, N stands for networking, and K stands for obtaining knowledge. Our guests entertain and share cutting-edge information. They share with you what may have taken years to achieve through experience in their field. Become inspired and motivated. Reach your full potential with fascinating tips and products. Receive a lifetime of benefits from authors, doctors, practitioners, healthcare providers, and learn about exciting new products. You asked for it, and we deliver. Now, here's your host, Denise Messenger. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for listening in today, which is August 9th. 2017. Today we have the guest, Dr. Greenblatt, and we're going to be talking about ADHD along with his new book called Finally Focused. Dr. Greenblatt is an integrative psychiatrist and he's also a leading expert in behavioral and medical disorders. We're talking about ADHD, OCD, eating disorders, anorexia binge eating, etc. He's been treating patients since 1990, and he's dedicated his career to providing patient-centered care and educating his colleagues. Now, we're talking about integrative psychiatry. Some of you may be wondering what that is. So I will bring him on to our show now. Hello there. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's good to be part of the show. Great, just great. Now, you're um, currently you're president of medical services at Walden Behavioral Care in Waltham, Massachusetts. And yes. You, and you're also on the clinical faculty at Tufts Medical Center and Dartmouth School of Medicine. At Dartmouth Medical Center, yes. Yeah. Quite impressive. Well, Why I think you- that... Um, Times are, are changing in that um, the uh, traditional psychiatric community is now looking for the information around integrative health care. Mm-hmm. So how did you get into integrative psychiatry? Well, I actually went into medical school um, interested in nutrition and brain function and acupuncture and many kind of at that time called alternative treatments. And then going through traditional medical school, traditional psychiatric training, and becoming out a child psychiatrist, I came out, you know, as a psychopharmacologist prescribing medications, and I quickly realized that they were Band-Aids and oftentimes had side effects. So really very early on started uh, returning back to the reason I went into medical school was to understand how nutrition, you know, affects health and particularly um, psychiatric illness. Well, you've you've been in your profession for a very long time. How long have you actually been in the integrative part of the, of the psychiatry? How many years? Uh, um, well, really, from the beginning, in in, in medical school, um, we organized courses on nutrition and acupuncture and yoga oh, okay. to help other medical students. So it's really been a passion, um, you know, for over thirty years now. 
Well, it's kind of unusual, isn't it? Because to my knowledge, the best of my knowledge, most uh, medical st- school students are not taught in those in those areas. Uh, not at all. We had to get special permission and organized an elective first in the country to um, provide some of these educational opportunities. So, yeah, there was a group of us at um, George Washington University at the time that uh, were interested and were able to get those courses um, organized. But it was unusual. It still is unusual. Very little yes. nutrition taught in medical schools. Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, let's get right into the subject of ADHD. Why don't you t- talk to us about some of the behavioral symptoms, you know, what they are and why and when they when they start occurring in children? Sure. I mean, ADHD is a, you know, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder is, is kind of the new name of the past 100 years. It's probably had 20 or 30 different names for kids and adults who have um, troubles with a, a focused attention, uh, impulse control, and the younger kids' um, overactivity. And for years, people thought of it as a behavior problem and tried to punish kids and uh, criticize the kids. And, you know, eventually, over the past 30 years, we now understand ADHD as kind of a medical disorder, biologically driven genetic um, changes that result in this poor attention span this impulse control difficulty. So we're kind of looked at the biology and just quickly responded with medications for Band-Aid treatment of symptoms, and our work is looking at um, kind of alternatives to those medications. Hmm. Do you find that they're becoming more and more um, instances of ADHD as perhaps 30 years ago? I, I think the science is clear that the incidence in the United States um, has been increasing. Some people would say we're just diagnosing it better. Other people would say environmental and nutritional factors and lifestyle factors like TV and screens um, are causing the increase. But it, it's pretty clear that ADHD and the prescription medications have dramatically increased in the United States. Okay, yeah. So how do you go about treating ADHD? Well, our our traditional model is been behavioral management, helping parents understand, you know, behavioral training and using medications as I said as as band-aids and medications do help, but they're often side effects. And whenever the child is off the medicine, all the symptoms come back. So it's kind of temporary relief with potential side effects. So, you know, our approach and the integrative psychiatry approach is looking at the underlying cause. So we might have 10, 12-year-olds with ADHD, and the treatment might be very different. And for some individuals, we would be looking at food allergies, others nutritional deficiencies, Others we might be understanding related to uh, stress or environmental um, toxins in the environment like copper in the water. So the treatment depends on what might be causing, and the model we try to um, help parents understand is looking for the underlying cause. 
it's personalized medicine. A- absolutely. I think we now have the science, the genetics, and the knowledge to really personalize much um, of mental health treatment, and ADHD is a good example. The traditional method is using prescription drugs. Your method is very different because you're not treating the symptoms. You're trying to get down to the root causes of of their, you know, behavioral uh, aspects or, you know, their impulse control, et cetera. Uh, my question to you is where do you start? What type of testing do you do? Well, I think that... Um Oftentimes, when people seek in nutritional interventions, they might go to 10 different practitioners and everyone recommends something different. It can be overwhelming for uh, families. You know, my model is, for ADHD anyways, is kind of deal with the basics. And, And some of these are nutrients like magnesium and the essential fatty acids found in fish oil that are deficient in the vast majority of individuals with ADHD. So we start with those kind of nutrients, and then we, you know, look carefully at at testing and see if there's elevations of of copper or lead or deficiencies in nutrients like zinc and iron. So it's kind of detective work um, as we begin to understand what the child um, or adult uh, might be missing and what nutritional deficiencies mm-hmm. could be um, involved in the symptoms. And how over how many weeks does this take place before you actually come up with a plan? Well, I think that um, initially, uh, based on some of the symptoms and the clinical presentation, we would be recommending a nutritional um, supplements. And then the testing looking at specific um, metabolic problems, GI problems, usually takes about a month to get that testing back. Mm-hmm. And then I usually tell parents it's about three months of nutritional and dietary interventions um, that we would like to do before we begin to discuss medications or the roles of medications. Because so often we've been able to avoid the use of medications by looking at a more um, natural nutritional approach. Your book called Finally Focused by Dr. Greenblatt and Bill Gottlieb. I know Bill. <laughs> okay. It's, it's an excellent book because it was written for the layperson, which is probably a, a great deal of, of uh, my listeners. And you take the reader through a process which basically you've named your process plus minus treatment plan. Yes, we found that that was a a nice model that people could uh, both um, uh, understand and, and visualize that there are things in the environment that we're asking um, parents to understand as, as kind of negative, things to um that we need to take out of our environment. And that could be everything from stress to refined foods and sugar to kind of heavy metals and copper and lead uh, or gluten if someone has celiac disease. So that's the minus. So there are things we need to take out of the environment. Um, 
And then the plus are those nutrients that might be deficient. And so adding the magnesium, adding uh, the zinc and the other phytochemicals that are necessary to treat ADHD. So it's kind of an overarching model that made it easy for kind of parents and adults with ADHD to see both sides of the equation. You can't just take a pill mm-hmm. um, and you can't just kind of, you know, avoid drinking tap water and think that's the answer. You talk about magnesium. For for our listeners, what we would like to tell them, in addition to the benefits it, it gives an ADHD child, is that it's extremely beneficial for just about everyone because magnesium is responsible for over 300 bodily functions. Yes, so many enzymes in the brain and throughout the human body need magnesium to work efficiently. And magnesium helps uh, the stress response. It helps kids with sleep and overactivity. So we recommend, as I said, magnesium to almost every adult and child with ADHD. And the as we get more and more stressed, as our cortisol level goes up, magnesium levels go down. So mm-hmm. there are mm-hmm. kind of environmental factors that cause a decrease in magnesium, and that's why it's so important. Yeah, but, but I'm just bringing forth the fact that it's good for everyone, no matter if you have a disease or not. We, we're not getting Absolutely. enough of it in, in, our, in our food. Common, we're not getting enough of it. The most common deficiency that we see. Uh, exactly. Across. across the board. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, you're talking about balancing brain waves. What do you mean? Well, one of the... Um, Ways we've um, un- uncovered to actually kind of help predict ADHD is a is a ratio of different brain waves. Um, we have brain brain waves called theta waves when we're mm-hmm. distracted, and and beta waves are these uh, small brain waves, short brain waves that we're using if we're paying attention. So one of the effective proven treatments for ADHD is called neurofeedback. It's biofeedback for the brain. And what we're doing is teaching individuals, they're sitting in front of a computer um, and they're learning, they're training their brain on a subconscious level to decrease the theta waves, those daydreaming brain waves, and increase beta waves. And neurofeedback, this approach, again, is proven, recommended by the Academy of Pediatrics, and it is very effective. And the, the results... So the treatment of ADHD is sustained. So it's not the Band-Aid that we see with the amphetamines or Ritalin. The problem with neurofeedback is that it's uh, expensive and time-consuming. It could be three days a week for 20 or 30 sessions, and um, insurance doesn't usually cover it, so it's expensive. So what we've been able to show is that there are nutritional supplements, uh, phytochemicals called OPCs, that within a couple of weeks of taking these pills did the same um, changes to the brainwave patterns that was seen in neurofeedback. That would be decreasing the theta waves, those daydreaming brainwaves, and helping to increase um, beta waves, 
to help these kids pay attention. Who discovered that? Well, there's um, the OPCs were uh, discovered in the uh, 40s and 50s in France by a gentleman called Masculet, um, who was curious as to, uh, you know, the French paradox, why the red wine might have beneficial health properties. And he discovered OPCs, and he found them in many plant sources, but it's the blue and blueberries, the red wine, green tea, grapeseed. Um, and, and most of the research, particularly with ADHD, has been done with pine bark, um, another high source of OPCs. Hmm. And That's interesting. Yeah, it's been very helpful for particularly adults with ADHD um, as well as kids. And their research articles have been written for almost 20 years now um, looking at how OPCs uh, help a brain function in a, a number of different ways. And dark chocolate is, is really <laughs> turns out to be uh, pretty high in OPCs. Yes, dark chocolate has um, certain um, molecules that are part of that flavonol family and certainly can help um, as well. So we want the darkest chocolate with the least sugar. Um, mm-hmm but it also has been shown to have um, pretty significant physiological effects. Hmm. Well, let's um, talk a little bit about some of your other breakthrough natural therapies. Sure. I, I mean, I think some of the um, non-nutritional ones that the research has been quite clear about is exercise, and and being part of nature, we call it vitamin N. So we have um, research now that's quite supportive of um, taking kids with ADHD out in nature um, with improvement in attention and focus. And exercise um, have repeatedly been shown to improve attention and focus. So these are simple lifestyle changes that some ADHD kids and adults just kind of naturally learn on their own and incorporate uh, exercise into their lives. Other times, as clinicians, we need to remind uh, parents and adults with ADHD that um, exercise can be uh, very helpful for attention problems. And children these days are so involved with technology that they're probably not getting the exercise that they need. Uh, Yeah, that's quite clear. I think... um, You know, there's a lot of parents who believe that the TV screen and the computer and the the phone screens are causing ADHD. And, uh, you know, I think that's probably uh, a stretch, and we have not proven that. I I think there is some good literature that uh, screens for young infants are probably detrimental and and might affect attention span as they age. But I I think what's uh, really important is to understand that, you know, limiting screen TV time mainly to help kids, uh, one, develop other habits and be able to exercise, mm-hmm. not just, um, you know, remain on the couch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you cover a lot of areas relative to um, toxicities. These sometimes are difficult for parents to 
nailed down, um, particularly in their households. But why don't you talk about them? It would be helpful. Sure. I think, um, you know, with the Flint, Michigan water crisis, people began to understand that lead is a, a major contributor to the incidence of ADHD in this country. And those with um, elevated lead have a much, much higher incidence of, of ADHD. And the concerns with um, heavy metals like lead is that the ADHD is, is very hard to treat and it can be, um, uh, you know, quite concerning. So lead is something that should be tested in all kids and oftentimes we do it as infants but we don't follow up as they get older. And mm. uh, changing homes, changing environments, lead is something that should uh, always be looked at with someone who has ADHD. Mm-hmm. The other, mm-hmm. you know, what's happened with the Flint, Michigan crisis is that um, school systems around the country and here in Massachusetts started looking at the water supply um, in many of the schools, the elementary schools in particular. And, you know, they found high lead um, in some of the schools, but what was even more common was high levels of copper. So these were in um, elementary schools here in Massachusetts, um, and copper um, is in our pipes and our water supply, and I believe is one of the contributors to ADHD in children. Hmm. Interesting. I like how you talk about um, mind healing power of probiotics. I'm, I'm a big fan of probiotics. And uh, you made a statement that um, they can work as, as well as Ritalin. That's really interesting news. Yeah, I think that um, for all of these um, integrative interventions, we can't kind of make these blanket generalizations to all kids. Uh, except for things like magnesium and essential fatty acids. But there's a subset of kids that do have GI problems. Um, Very common is overgrowth of yeast or candida, which is a a yeast that's normal in our GI tract, but if it uh, grows excessively, it produces byproducts, chemicals that can affect behavior and brain function. And it was more common years ago when antibiotics were handed out like candy at the pediatrician's office. So lots of antibiotics. Kids were, um, you know, for ear infections, the antibiotics not only killed the infection-causing bacteria, but also killed a lot of good bacteria in the gut. And that set the stage for overgrowth of yeast. So candida has been one concern where probiotics uh, can be helpful. And then there are other bacteria in the gut that has been shown to produce chemicals that interfere with uh, brain function, neurotransmitter function in the brain. And so high-dose probiotics for that group also has been helpful and better than stimulants because the stimulants aren't getting at the underlying cause. Yeah, it takes me back to when I w- we were raising my son and he had repetitive ear infections as a baby. I, I so wish I had known you know, all of this information at that time. Sure, it's very hard, um, you know, for all of us as uh, the information that we had 
in front of us was just um, clearly not sufficient to understand some of these environmental causes and some of the nutritional factors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In a, in a lot of ways, it's a much better world because of the information that we have available to us now. Yes, I think the the one the science is available. Oftentimes, um, I give presentations. You know, I'm using research from five or ten years ago, um, but within the past year, I can you know cite research from weeks ago or months ago. So, um, the field, the academic field of nutrition, brain function, nutritional psychiatry, has really come a long way, and now, you know colleagues can't say things like where's the research because we Mm -hmm. actually have scientific research listeners if you've just joined in i'm talking with dr james greenblatt he's the author of the book called finally focused if you have an adhd child this book is written in layman terms so it's very easy to follow why don't you tell our listeners why they have to follow everything in the book in the exact order? Well, the order was set up to make things simpler because if somebody's frustrated with traditional medicine, uh, I'm sure you hear and see this all the time, they read an article and they take this vitamin or take another vitamin and they read three articles or ten articles, then they're just taking ten pills it doesn't help, and after a month they give up, either because it was too expensive or they didn't get better. And so what we try to do is set up an organized plan, the plus-minus plan, if you will, um, focusing on the most important things to do initially, and that would be things like the magnesium, the uh, OPCs that we talked about, um, and understanding copper zinc. So the order just helps... Uh, parents and again, adults with ADHD can gain a lot of information um, in this book. Uh, so the order is just set to simplify the uh, trial and error for parents. Mhm, mhm. No, it's it, and it's it's really a very logical uh, way to go about trying your plan out you know, with your child, et cetera. There's a, a lot of content in your book. I could see how you could really stumble if you don't follow it <laughs> page by page. Right. You know, again, oftentimes the pediatricians aren't giving parents some of this information, so we wanted to make it as uh, comprehensive but uh, simple to understand as we could. It really is. It's it's just a great, great book. I really love the book. Is there anything else that you would like to um, educate our listeners on that perhaps you've run across in your practice? Well, a couple of things that I think are really important is in the younger children, uh, food allergies. Um, there have been different periods um, over the years in the 70s and 80s where there was something called the fine gold diet, and people were worried about uh, dyes and food additives. And then as a research study demonstrated the majority, vast majority of kids did not respond to dyes, pediatricians said there was no merit in it. And if you looked at all the old studies, there was a subset of kids that did have 
very significant reactions to these red dyes in particular were food additives. So there's a subset of kids that do better, and there's lots of information on the fine gold diet, when these additives and dyes are removed from their diet. <clears throat> not everyone. It's not a cure-all for ADHD, but for some. Mm-hmm. But in our younger kids, those under seven that are, are very disruptive, um, really struggling in preschool and elementary school, oftentimes food allergies um, can provide significant relief. And right now we have blood tests where we can look at um, immunological reactions to different foods, and eliminating mm-hmm. those foods can sometimes make a huge dent in the behavior of young children with ADHD. It's good to know. Well, you know, nutrition, food, supplements, those are all areas that everyone probably could benefit from improving. <laughs> you know, we we live in such a fast-paced society now that it's just so easy to grab something out of a bag <laughs> or out of a box. <laughs> Absolutely. I think convenience um, has certainly set the fast food, processed food, you know, in motion, and it's just, um, just easy for many people. And um, I, I just found with certain kids with ADHD, um, they're just more vulnerable to a high-sugar, high-processed food diet than perhaps other kids. Mm, yeah. That kind of goes way back, doesn't it, the sugar? Again, same as the additives. The um, consumers and parents were saying sugar is causing ADHD in my kid, and scientists did the research, and if they tested 100 kids, well, sugar didn't aggravate the behavior in the majority so they say sugar does not affect behavior problems. Well, every parent knows um, there are times and there are some kids that are very sensitive to sugar. And my concern about refined sugar is um, I call it a nutritional vacuum cleaner. There are um, B vitamins and other nutrients that aren't in the refined sugar. So you deplete the body's reserves. And I think, believe that leads to some of the symptoms of ADHD. Mm. Interesting. And unfortunately, sugar is in just about every food stuff. It's very hard to avoid, and that's why, um, you know, we do the best we can. I think one of the, um, uh, you know, chapters on the book when we talk about sugar is, um, you know, sugar-sweetened beverages. So the the sodas and even some of the the juices or juice drinks um, have, have not only sugar, but they also have um, phosphates. Uh, to make soda, they use phosphoric acid. And there are some people, uh, it was actually a pharmacist in Germany, cured her child and wrote a book talking about elevated phosphates as a cause of ADHD. So we try to eliminate sodas and uh, lots of sources of um, phosphates when we treat ADHD. Anything else you'd like to add? Well, I think that um, uh, many parents know, but again, the scientific research has um, completely supported um, this notion that sleep disorders are both common in ADHD and can exacerbate the symptoms. Um, So not getting enough sleep 
um, early on in childhood, predicted ADHD symptoms, and uh, restoring sleep is very helpful for treating ADHD. So I think it's really important that parents or adults who struggle with ADHD uh, really understand uh, getting help um, nutritionally is my preference to maintain a regular sleep cycle will help the symptoms of ADHD. Well, as a psychiatrist, what do you typically tell um, parents relative to getting their kids to bed and to sleep? Well, I, you know, I find that um, these kids are awake for either two reasons. One is they, they can't sleep. Their brain continues to, to just keep mm-hmm. running. And, and that's where we look at nutritional supplements. Magnesium is very helpful. Uh, melatonin uh, has been helpful. Um, and the other is parents not setting limits on computers and screens. And these kids are up uh, either watching TV or on their phone um, till the you know late hours in the evening. And then the body just develops a sleep disorder um, because it's kind of sleep phase cycles are out of whack. Well, and the blue screens, don't they kind of whack out your melatonin? Um, there's lots of research now about a lot of the, um, uh, you know, radiation and lights uh, from these screens affecting both brainwave patterns and mm-hmm. uh, possibly hormones and uh, things like uh, sleep hormones like melatonin. Ah, uh, very, very interesting. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your very, very busy schedule and coming on our show and educating our listeners. The information, it's invaluable, and um, I think it's going to be very helpful. Well, thank you for the opportunity, and I appreciate the work that you do. Would you please, before you leave, tell our listeners how they can get your book or if they need to uh, reach you, do you have a website, et cetera? Sure. Yeah, the book is available on, on Amazon. Uh, the book is called Finally Focused, and the, the webpage with lots of information and um, uh, about ADHD and nutrition and ADHD, it's called finallyfocusedbook.com. Finallyfocusedbook.com. Oh, that's, that's very good. <laughs> Easy to get to. Well, Try thanks to make again. It easy, yes. Thanks no so problem. very much. Take care. Okay. Have a good Bye-bye. night. Bye-bye. All right, listeners, that wraps up our show for today. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. Please join us again next Wednesday. We'll have another wonderful guest for you. And until then, be well. Bye-bye. We celebrate our listeners worldwide and invite you to contact Denise at www.healthmedianow.com with any questions you may have and follow her on Twitter at Health Media Now and Facebook at Health Media Now. For those interested in an advertising campaign on her show, contact Lisa at knowledgeworkspub.com. Be sure to visit Got Cancer? Now What? for information on Denise Messenger's award-winning book, Got Cancer? Now What?